Welcome to the Just What I Needed to Hear podcast with Yoga Farm Ithaca, where we teach you how to live the principles of yoga both on your mat and off the mat in the living curriculum of your precious life. Thank you for joining session three of the series, the monthly series of Death Talks. Let me share very briefly the intention of this series. Every month, we come together here to, every month we get together to have a truthful, straightforward conversation about topics around death education and grief education. These are topics that in our, in our contemporary Western culture, there is there are resources, and thankfully there are, there are greater resources now than ever before. And when I first embarked on my own conscious journey to really understand what is the function of grief, how do we in our culture prepare ourselves for, to be with the truthfulness of our own mortality our own physical mortality in the material plane, how do we best prepare ourselves to release and be released from all of those in our lives in this, in this journey of our lifetime? Not prepared in a way that circumvents or escapes the pain of change and loss, prepared in a way so that we can be with and work with change as it occurs in our lives. Right? You you know the 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 you know on the mental body the expression that the only constant in life is change. Well, as I was setting out on my own journey, here I am now 30 years later. Um, having spent and immersed myself in the world of grief and death education, it's really become one of my greatest joys and honors to teach about, to speak about, to share about, to open the space to have conversations and to guide others through a series of talks that I have um, developed over the years that can make an enormous difference in your life if, if you test them out for yourself and embody the practices. So the first death talk, and you have access to the replays on our podcast and in the private Facebook group called Death Talks. All right, so the, the audio replays of these sessions are available there. You are welcome to join that group if you're on Facebook. And the first talk I absolutely, if this is your first session here with Death Talks, the first talk I, I absolutely invite you to listen to because it sets the foundation. The first talk is the foundational conversation about how to be with our own mortality. And there are a few practices called living newly and lastly. So that whole session really gives you some embodiment practices that you can integrate into your life so that you can start to become more conscious in a compassionate way around 
releasing that which we hold on to and starting to enter into the conscious process of our own existence, our own mortality and the mortality of those in our lives. The second talk was a talk called The Six Keys for Being with the Dying. I highly recommend you review that if, if, um, if you're new to this series because that conversation gives you some very clear direction on how to, how to be with those who either know they're dying or they're navigating a chronic illness or a terminal illness or their elders. And the beauty of that conversation is that by the time you get to the end of it, you can really see uh, these are really these are keys for being with anyone. These are keys for being with everyone. And those keys in that conversation very much afford us the ability to be released to live to live so truthfully and authentically in our lives and with the living, whether they know they're dying or not, and one could say, with every breath, we are closer to a final exhale. So there's no one exempt from that. That talk really gives you a series of practices and ways of relating with all others. So this evening's session is a conversation about the six essential keys for honoring your own grief. So the first thing I want to distinguish is a little bit about what grief, what grief is. And because I have 45 minutes to deliver these keys, I'm going to keep checking my notes to make sure that I'm on track. Oftentimes I'll teach this over a two or three hour workshop. And so, so this is, um, we're just going to do the, 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 the succinct version of this, okay? And then I have an expanded version of this talk that you're also welcome to have access to in the Death Talks group. So a little bit about grief. How I define grief is that grief is the most natural and instinctive response to change. It is a natural, instinctive, an energetic response to change. And this is an energy that seeks to move. It's, it's, it's an experience. It's a state of being that seeks movement. It's essential that grief be honored such that it can move. It is a, it is a powerful state that in it holds great wisdom. In my experience, I have found that grief affords us two great gifts. In that grief brings us into a deeper vastness of our own compassion and it brings us into the experience of our own inherent wisdom. When we work with grief, when we honor it and allow it, it, it brings us, it has the potential 
to bring us into our inherent wisdom and vast compassion. First and foremost for ourselves, and as we experience that for and as ourselves, it naturally becomes expanded outward to include all others. That's why these personal practices are so essential. It starts with you first. And what we integrate, what we imbibe, what we embody, we then naturally, we effortlessly apply in all our other relations. That's why it begins and ends with us, with you, the individual. That's why these personal practices use, how many talks have I done? The four keys, the three keys, the 24 keys, the 44 keys, because they are, <laughs> it's like nobody cannot have enough keys. You know, I also am a Matrix fan, so there is the key maker, right? He's just got all those keys. <laughs> so these practices, anchor into them for yourself because as, as they become one with you, they naturally flow through you as you in all your relations. So grief is a potent force that seeks to be honored and it seeks to move. It is natural and it is instinctive. We experience grief over many things, many changes in life. Sometimes the grief we experience is the result of someone in the material plane transitioning to the unseen world, someone dying. Sometimes that is what we typically associate grief with. And while that is the primary focus of this talk, I want to absolutely acknowledge that we experience grief big griefs, small griefs, medium griefs, over many changes. And in fact, we oftentimes forget that we can experience grief over a job ending, even if it was our first choice, right? Even if a job ends on great terms, there's a change. Where there's change, there's an ending, a completion and a form change. What we are used to is no longer. There's a grief if you've experienced natural disaster to your home or flooding or lava. I have a dear friend, Abby, who lived in Hawaii. She lived at the bottom of an active volcano and it, it engulfed her home. There was a grief there. There can be grief, and, and I want you to, I invite you to not apologize for, oh, this is a silly thing to have grief around. Change requires integration. Change requires just being with and honoring what was. There can be a grief around surrendering a used car and getting a new one. There can be grief around a relationship ending, even when both parties recognize this is for the best. There can be grief when your child enters into a new grade at school. There can be grief if a part of your body 
no longer works in the same way that you were used to. So there's grief anywhere there is a completion. So one of the before the six keys is simply to recognize this is pre-key. <laughs> this is key zero. One of the one of the keys here is to start to recognize and ask yourself, how will I honor this completion? That's one of the great insight questions you can ask yourself wherever there is a form change in your life or a completion. How will I honor the completion of this relationship? How will I honor the completion of my 40 years of service in this work as I approach retirement? How will I honor the ending of my, this garden as we move into fall and winter? You name it, where there's change, a powerful insight question and practice. And when you ask an insight question, friends, you will hear a response. Your own wisdom is now invited to speak to you in the space between your thoughts. Sometimes it's accompanied, sometimes it's language. Uh, it's primarily in the form of language. Sometimes it's in the form of image with language. Sometimes you may see a symbolic image. You'll start to learn the, the myriad ways that your instinctive and inherent wisdom guides you when you turn inward to ask a question. Powerful insight questions do not have the word why. I like entering into insightful questions with show me, guide me, how may I? Okay, start to re be, release yourself from the habit of why. And that we can, you're in, all invited to my Monday night office hours. So if that's, if you're like, ooh, I'd like to break, I'd like to open that up a little bit more, we can do that in office hours. I'd love to, okay? Um, yes, Lori is sharing in the chat, watching a loved one decline from a chronic progressive disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, absolutely. One of the things that I would also invite you to start to work with is our language around grief and the stories around it, and to start to get really gorgeous with your language. I've seen many different images or memes or quotes around grief is the cost or the price of love. I don't, I don't believe that's true. I don't agree with that personally, and you are all welcome to your own perspectives and opinions, and, and may they be anchored in your direct experience. What I assert is that grief is actually the vastness of the ache of the gratefulness that we have had for something that is now changed form. I was always raised to believe that gratefulness and gratitude always felt wonderful, right? Uplifting. What grief has shown me and what change and loss in my life has shown me is that that gratefulness is so vast that there's a whole other side to gratefulness 
that has this almost ache, an ache to it, as if it, the gratefulness of something that was, that I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to end. And underneath the, I don't want this to end, I could find that on the layer of my mind. And when I went deeper into my heart, it was there that I found, oh, grief is really an expression of the vastness of gratitude for someone, for something, for the period of time I got to travel with or be with X, Y, or Z in the form that it was in. So I invite you to, to test that out and explore that, test that out for yourself. So now let me turn to the, the six keys. In honoring your own grief. This is, a, this is a quote by Brene Brown. She says, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. Connection is one of our fundamental human needs. So the first of the six keys for honoring your own grief is connection. This will look like different things and for different, for different individuals at different stages of grief. These six keys will land differently if you have experienced or right now are currently experiencing a very, very fresh loss, a very fresh and new transition of someone into the unseen world or an unexpected or sudden change. So if your grief is, is very new and very fresh, connection, I can encourage you to stay connected with others as grief is impacting quite intensely all six layers of your being. When there is a sudden change and when grief is fresh and new, it impacts our layers of being di differently than, the, and this is not like by the day, friends, okay? This is just a generalization. We experience grief differently three months out, differently at six months out, differently at nine months, differently at a year, differently at a year and a half, differently at two months, okay? So that's important to recognize that, that you, it will occur differently. So for those of you that may be experiencing fresh or new grief, essential to stay connected and grounded in the material plane gently because a part of us is not in the material plane. When there is a fresh loss, a new, a recent loss, 
a change in our life, whether it was expected or unexpected, when it happens, it happens. Free yourself from believing you are supposed to be able to function well in the material plane. You're not. So staying connected to those in your life that can help you in the material plane while a part of you has left, has exited. Grief, when it's fresh and new, impacts all of your systems. It impacts your sleep. It impacts your digestion. It impacts your ability to be focused. You are not supposed to be focused. It impacts your alertness when driving. These are all things that are impacted when there's a sudden loss and change in our lives. So connection with others that can support you and help quite literally just keep you safe and well as you are allowing this sudden change to start to permeate your being. It's impacting your physical, bo your physical body, your emotional body, your mental body, your awareness body. And sometimes it brings us into experiences of our bliss body because we are so thrown energetically out of the norm. So there are sometimes these very profound states in grief. So staying connected to those that can support you and a little further on down the line, I highly recommend finding others that you can connect with. Support groups are, can be a lifelines and lifesavers. Especially when there's something specific around a loss or a change. Um, how someone transitions out of the world will impact how we are grieving. If something was expected, sometimes it can occur as a bit more of a gentle entry into the process of grieving and the process of mourning. When a grief is sudden and shocking or has complexities to it, that is, it's, it can be very useful to connect with other groups where you are in, where you have others to talk to that have experienced something similar, right? There are support groups for survivors of suicide. There are support groups for um, for widows, for widowed um, uh, men, w widowed women. There are support groups for um, for for those who are living and bereaving someone who passed from cancer or chronic illness or you were a caregiver for many years. Okay, so connection is the first key. And that will look like different things for different people depending on where you are in the, in the newness of a, of a change. Connection also affords you the ability 
to speak about your beloved or to speak about the relationship or the the, the ending, uh, this, this, the circumstance in your life that has come to a completion. So this moves us into the second key. The second key is expression. Our soul's deepest yearning of embodied aliveness is to feel freedom in connection and fulfillment as authentic self-expression. Let me say that again. Our soul's deepest yearnings of embodied aliveness are to feel freedom in connection and fulfillment as authentic self-expression. So the first key works into the second key, connection and expression. So there are three parts to the expression key. One of the one of the fundamental aspects of expression is to speak of your beloveds, okay? Speak, share. Grief is our response to change and mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, is how we express our grief through expression. So how do we express ourselves? We express ourselves through language, through creative endeavors, through movement. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about two examples to make this more concrete. I have one dear friend who is a, is a lovely writer and when her, her husband of um, about 30 years suddenly passed, she would share beautiful photos on Facebook of their relationship. They had a very cherishing relationship in the material world. They still have a cherishing relationship. They, um, and she would write beautiful, descriptive posts that described what was happening in that memory, right? Photographs have our memories in, in, in a moment in time, it's a memory. And so for at least the first year, maybe almost every day, this was her morning practice, her morning expression. Grief needs to be expressed and mourning is the vehicle through which we express our grief. Grief is experienced in the mental body and the emotional body. And mourning practices are how we express and embody our grief outwardly for the world to the world. So that's one example of instinctive expression of mourning. It is grief expressed outwardly. So the second key of expression is I invite you to Welcome any creative expression of your grief or mourning of someone that you cherish. And it's never too late to do this. If you discover, wow, I don't know that I really ever fully allowed for the mourning of the passing of my mother 20 years ago, or of a friend 10 years ago, or of a family member one year ago, there's never too late. Okay, it's never ever too late to practice these six keys. Um, another expression, uh, here's an example. When my, when my mother died, she, I was 20, uh, around 22, 
And my father and she had been married. She was 58 when she died. And my father and she had been married for 40 years. They had their 40-year anniversary. So they were married when they were 18. And they adored each other. And his morning practice was to transform a rather nice-sized room in our home. And he must have printed and framed It, it may have been 200 photos and there were every wall and the, and the desk, there were everywhere. That was his quite literal, like living uh, mausoleum and altar. And he would go in there and there was a song. So you see imagery. That was his creative, the process of selecting the photos and getting the frames. And he took such care and reverence. This was a practice, a morning practice. And music was very important to him. There was a, uh, a movie, I've never seen it. I think Johnny Depp was in it. It was called Don Juan DeMarco. And there was this one song that was on the soundtrack, When a Man Loves a Woman. And I think for probably six months, he had that on replay rather constantly, it was rather uninterrupted. And that was his practice. That was his embodied expression. So mourning needs expression outwardly. Um, I've seen uh, people make beautiful uh, quilts um, or have quilts made of t-shirts from their beloveds. I have seen um, fabulous collages of aphorisms, of quotes that their, um, that their beloveds uh, were, were famous for saying. Okay, so, so just remember this key of expression comes through language, art, movement, collage, creative altars in your home. And some of you are familiar with the practice of soul yoga. Soul is an acronym that stands for surrender, opening, union, and loving kindness, loving awareness. This is the simple practice of creating a playlist that has you feel connected to your, to your beloved. I just use the word beloved for anyone that has transitioned in the unseen world, regardless of the status of your relationship in the material world. All's right on the other side. And so you make a playlist of as many songs as you like, and then you will put four songs on and you don't pre-select them. You let them spontaneously come up, you know, um, on auto shuffle, shuffle, that's what it's called, on shuffle. And whatever four songs come on, you do two things. You don't stop your body from moving, you move, and you use your voice in any way that is instinctive, whether it means singing some of the lyrics of the music or humming, bringing sound through your throat, okay, and expressing it. This is one of the most important uh, embody, embodiment expression practices that I can offer you. It actually was developed as a, as a grief 
practice. And some of you here have experience with it. So, so you know that it, it allows for the energy of grief to be honored and to move. We are also of a culture that tends to have, we, we, we have put upon ourselves the belief that we should be behind closed doors if, there are, if there's emotion moving or crying or tears. And there are other cultures around the world that are, are excellent at bringing the voice online to express and allow the energy of grief to move. Weeping is an expression. Allowing any sounds to move through you and out of you and to not be afraid of if sounds move through you that you have never heard before. Okay. This is this is expression that if you have not allowed yourself yet to be with, I encourage you to gift yourself that the the freedom of full self-expression. All right. And lastly, sh and sharing whatever expressions are there. Okay, going back to the first key of connection, sharing your expressions, sharing stories of what you cherished and valued of, of your beloved, sharing stories, sharing examples of, of what aspect of your beloved do you wish to embody and integrate into your way of being in life. How does, how does your beloved inspire you? And again, sometimes we may have relationships where we, we are, that's a question to sit with, especially if there was a lot of conflict or tension in a relationship. Sometimes we can be inspired by doing the opposite of what we have learned and that person may be very responsible for showing you the best ways of living and being. So sharing with others, what is it that this person gifted you? What, what, what way of being did they embody that you revere and wish to continue to integrate in your own way of being in your life? That is a form of expression through your ways of being. The third key is nourishment. Nourishment as an essential practice for honoring grief. To nourish means to feed oneself in a cherishing way. It means to raise up, to bring up, to nurture. When we nourish ourselves, we support, strengthen, and uplift ourselves with respect of our body, our mind, and our souls. So there are several nourishment practices. A nourishment practice for honoring your grief, first and foremost, is time in nature daily. So committing 
to a friendly movement for seven days in nature, outside of your walls. Bring yourself outdoors. Nature is continually reflecting back to us essential wisdom and essential nourishment. It is a powerful nourishment that in our contemporary busy lives, we don't often receive as much nourishment from as I believe our systems, our body, our mind, and our souls are thirsty for. So time in nature and welcoming some movement, a daily walk, going to a body of water, noticing what element are you drawn to. You may have, a, um, for many people, getting a fire pit in your yard, right? Especially if you live in a neighborhood, you can still get a, a fire pit and sit outside with that. Fire is a potent way to be with our grief because you can allow yourself to just be with the flames in that quietude. Fire can be deeply nourishing as a way of honoring our grief. Water, lakes, streams, moving water, earth, flowers, gardens, woods, just walking down the road. I can't uh, stress the importance of the nourishment of nature as a means of attending to our own grief. It's, it's excellent medicine where there isn't grief and it's, and it's life affirming and life giving. It's life breathing nourishment when we are navigating the energies of grief. Soul yoga, as I mentioned in the last key, also serves as a nourishment practice. If you're going to test out soul yoga, I invite you to test it out for seven days in a row. Just like if you were, if you were taking a, an antibiotic, you take it every day consecutively because soul yoga is a very specific nourishment medicine that builds on itself. And I'll tell you, when I first started that practice as a, as a way of supporting an enormous grief, my, my, my body ached even to walk. The grief was hurt so much. It just hurt in my body. And when I first started the soul yoga practice, and it came to me as, as, as medicine to attend to grief, all I could do was just stand there and sway. My hips ached. I felt like I was carrying 200 boulders in my body. And all I could do was sway. And all I could do was just hum a little and leak and cry. And then over many months of doing this practice every day, there was an enormous evolution so seven days minimum, I cannot stress just what seven days of this can, can afford you. And to extend it beyond that, it is, it is life-giving. It is a life-giving practice. Okay. Okay. 
another aspect of the key of nourishment is to consciously nourish, asking yourself, turning inward, how does my body wish to be nourished today? How does my mind wish to be nourished today? How does my soul wish to be nourished today? And in the space between your thoughts, listen for your instinctive and inherent wisdom to guide you. You might hear something around nourishment and nutrition. You may hear, call, call your friend, call Abby. You may hear, um, there's a particular audio book to listen to. So asking yourself, turning inward, how would my, how, how would my body wish to be nourished today? And listen, asking those questions and allow your own prescription to rise up. And because it is your own prescription, your wisdom within, your compassion, your wisdom will answer your question. So ask and listen. Nourishment also is, is remaining connected to the first key of connection and the second key of expression. Those are also nourishment keys. Staying connected with others, not going it alone, not apologizing for talking about your beloved again and again and again, and having people in your world that you know you don't even need to say that to that you know, I don't need to apologize for talking, for bringing up this memory and that memory and sharing. That is nourishment. We are wired to need connection, expression, and to attend to our body, mind, and our souls with quality nourishment. So that's one of the most important questions you can ask yourself on a daily basis, okay? your responses will be prescriptive. The fourth key for honoring your own grief is truthfulness. What this key is about is that ultimately the truth can't set us free until we first acknowledge what is holding us hostage. This is the place where if we've ever heard the expression, oh, someone is stuck in their grief, right? There's nothing, grief doesn't imply there's something wrong or needs healing. We don't heal from grief, we honor grief. We don't, there's nothing to heal from. It's an honoring and it's an integrating. And it's working with these keys allows you to honor and integrate changes in life. Where we can get stuck in our grief is in our mind. Is in, and that does not mean there's something wrong with our minds. But for those who remain held in suffering, grief involves pain. There's a painfulness 
an ache of grief. Suffering is when we're not able to, to allow it to move. And one of, the, one of the factors that keeps us from moving our grief oftentimes boils down to something we are thinking and believing true and it oftentimes is around blame, self-blame of ourselves or, or blame of another. I'll share a, a, an example. There was a beautiful gentleman that was in the grief course um, last, uh, a few years ago. And it was his, his, his watch. It was his watch at his father's side when he was in the hospital. And being a caregiver, some of you know, is, um, is very, it, it requires a lot of presence and energy and, and it, you can feel exhausted from caregiving. So he was in the hospital and, and he fell asleep because he was exhausted. And very unusually, his father got up out of bed and fell and fell in his head. And from there, there were a series of other uh, experiences in the physical body and his father then passed. So what was inhibiting his ability to honor grief was being stopped in the mind. So one of the most important practices you can give yourself is the key of truthfulness. If, you're, if you have found, I am not able to allow my grief to keep moving because there's a repetitive thought, a repetitive painful thought that is seeking to be met tenderly, tenderly and compassionately and to be named. So in our, in our session together, he was able to tell the story like I just did, and yet was still moving around the peripheral of the story. And it wasn't until he was able to say the words, I think it's my fault. My father died. His grief couldn't move past that. So if you are experiencing anything in your grief in the layer of the mental body that is blaming yourself or blaming others, it's essential to first meet those thoughts gently and tenderly with understanding. I recommend that you write them down in the process of putting your mind on paper, one thought at a time. And there's usually only one or two, three at the most, because those thoughts are where we wanna turn our loving attention to and where we wanna bring forgiveness and compassion. And this is a key step in order to move into the next key the next key of forgiveness and reconciliation. Remember, 
we cannot, the truth cannot set us free. Reconciliation and forgiveness has us abiding in what's truer than that thought of self-blame. And when we work with inquiry, and when we work with another practice that I'll share with you in a moment, we can start to meet ourselves with such profound loving kindness that truthfulness reveals itself to us all on its own. We cannot access forgiveness and reconciliation on the mental body. You see, it's the mental body where, the, where, where we are held and yet we cannot free ourselves from that layer of being. So naming what is holding you and unable to allow grief to move through you. This, this for some of you will apply and not everyone. And the moment that he named out loud and said and was witnessed a flood of emotion Emotion is energy in motion, a flood of emotion released. And that was the beginning of meeting that thought with inquiry and gentleness and the next step. So the next step is forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves for any, any thought that would, that would hurt if we believed it true. The practice of forgiveness, this is Marianne Williamson, the practice of forgiveness is our most important contribution to the healing of ourselves and the healing of the world. Norman Cousins says, life is frankly an adventure in forgiveness. So the practice of forgiveness that each of you is invited to is to bring anyone into the field of your mind's eye on Sunday. We hold every, every Sunday, just about every Sunday. Now we're going on six years. I lead a meditation, a healing, forgiveness and reconciliation practice where I will guide you through the, a process of forgiveness where you can meet with your beloved in the unseen world, in your mind's eye, so that you can sit with them. And there's a practice that you can do in order to ex have your own direct experience because forgiveness ultimately is about self-forgiveness. The heart of forgiveness is a self-forgiveness even when it appears about that it's about another. When we stay with these practices of forgiveness long enough, we oftentimes are led right down to the root and it involves ourselves. There is nothing that isn't, can't be forgiven. And the practice is on Sunday, it's called Sacred Sunday. The practice that I'm referring to from 10.30 to 11.30 is a practice of truthfulness without any rushing or forcing or efforting. It's a very um, effective and potent direct experience practice of reconciliation and forgiveness 
that happens all on its own. We just stay steady in the images and the, and the language and the practice itself works through you. So this is the fifth key is forgiveness of ourselves, others, or perhaps the person that is that trans that crossed over again, depending on how and why and the circumstances around someone's transition can highly impact what's going on in our mind, our mental body, and the mental body can inhibit the movement of the energy of grief. That is usually where we will get stuck. And the last key is that as you work these five keys to honor your grief and expression is the key of key number six, which is embodied aliveness. That's where these first five keys bring us because we are here to experience our embodied aliveness. And as you work those five keys, what starts to happen is we, we develop and cultivate a new relationship with those in the unseen world that occurs in our inner world. We, be, we become available to enter into a continued relationship of the highest with them in the unseen realm. As you work those five keys, it opens you to receiving messages that you don't need to check with anyone if they're authentic from the unseen world. It opens you to seeing signs, synchronicities, messages, and most importantly, the feeling of what we cherish about another within ourselves. We've all heard phrases that say, well, that person now lives in our heart. The first five keys will bring us into the potential to actually feel that in our own being as our own personal, intimate, direct experience. Most of my cherished and beloveds are in the unseen world. And we have an excellent, lighthearted, guided, playful, cherishing, and deeply connected and intimate relationship. And each of my beloveds feels very different. My mother, I can't even like, I can, it's like I couldn't even pin anything on her. She just feels like such a vast cloud. It's, it's, it's really interesting. She feels so far away and, 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 and so lovely. And she makes herself available and present in her own unique style. And my father, I feel in a very, very different way. Very sweet, very, very sweet. He feels, he feels in a very unique, different form. Each of our beloveds, just like each of you, has their own uh, song of their soul, their own resonance, their own vibration and frequency. And they are available and waiting for you to be in relationship with, if that is what you wish. So our embodied aliveness is really about becoming, welcoming conscious awareness of your breath, your sensations, allowing your senses, your beautiful senses to anchor you here 
in the material plane to feel your own embodied aliveness. This is so that you can feel the intimate aliveness of the living moment at play. We are here to continue to experience the living moment at play. And as we work the first five keys, they will deliver us to, that re to the return of the feeling of our embodied aliveness all in its right time, all in its right truthful time. The key of embodied aliveness is about feeling the felt sensations of your breath. Your breath will always anchor you to the living moment, always. The breath is always operating in the living present moment. Notice in the space between your breaths, there is a pause. There's a still point between the in-breath and the out-breath. Start to bring your attention there in your, in your awareness of breath practice. See where that rabbit hole takes you. And lastly, feeling into the living moment via the intimacy of your senses. Feeling into the living moment via your senses. Your senses are doorways to something far that more vast than our senses, and yet they are portals. So friends, so those are the six keys for honoring your own grief. It all starts with a ripple, 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 ripple Before it becomes a wave